of the things you notice about children, for example, is if children don't get enough good attention, they'll certainly go after bad attention mm -hmm. because the fundamental human currency is attention. And it's, it's one thing to be hated, but it's another thing entirely to be ignored. And I would say, generally speaking, if you put people in a corner and you made them choose, you know, if they, were, if they had knowledge that was transparent to themselves, you said, well, would you rather be ignored or hated? They'd take hated because at least then you exist. Because mm -hmm. you exist, at least in some part, in your relationship to other people. And so some of the bad behavior is, is rewarded precisely for that reason, is that it does draw attention and that does make you signify. <laughs>
Get your place looking like a resort easy and fast with fast-growing trees. When it comes to caring for your plants, you know how matters. That's why fastgrowingtrees.com's experts curate thousands of plant varieties that will thrive in your specific climate location and needs. There's no waiting in lines and no messy cars from hauling your plants all over town because you order online and over the phone and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Plus, their growing and care advice is available 24-7. Whether you're looking for increased privacy, shade, or adding some natural beauty to your yard, fast-growing trees have the perfect plants and expertise to help you find them. Even if you've never had a green thumb, they'll make you feel like you do. One million home gardeners have already seen what fastgrowingtrees.com can do for them. I've got some orange trees in my backyard right now. Plus, with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee. You can trust that everything will be healthy for years to come. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben right now and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben, fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so first let's just do the the 101 on the Ovalde shooting. uh, And I wanna focus on these kids more than anything else. So let's just do the sobering part of what happened. And as I said yesterday, uh, because I'm trying to do this in, in somewhat of a nonpartisan way. We all have our own biases, obviously, uh, but particularly yesterday, I was trying to do this without politics. I'm even sourcing the quote that I'm gonna read from the New York Times, uh, from not a paper that I generally respect, just to give you the facts here. So from the New York Times, a gunman killed at least 19 children and two adults on Tuesday in a rural Texas elementary school, a state police official said, in the deadliest American school shooting since the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary a decade ago. The gunman, whom the authorities identified as an 18-year-old man who had attended a nearby high school, was armed with several weapons, officials said. He also died at the scene, they said. So more importantly than uh, getting into any further part of the nitty gritty or really anything about the shooter. And I'll address in a moment why we shouldn't be focused on the shooter specifically, the individual specifically. I just wanna show you an image of some of the victims. Those are 19 kids. They're about five to seven years old, mostly eight, nine. I think, I think there's a couple that are 10 years old. So there are those kids. They went to school two days ago. Their parents sent them off to school, packed them lunch, and uh, they are gone. And we can all scream about all the reasons why they're gone and we can place blame on all sorts of people. I blame the person who did it. I blame some of the societal forces around that. Uh, but just, just put the image up one more time. I mean, I just think it's important for people to just get these, these are just kids. These are kids like you have kids or you have nieces and nephews or you were once a kid. Uh, these were lives that existed on this planet two days ago that do not exist anymore. Uh, There is a bit more about the shooter. I don't want to go into too much about him, uh, but this tweet uh, from G. Polowitz on Twitter, uh, uh, we blanked out the shooter's name, and I'll discuss a little bit more on that. Uh, Blank reportedly cut his own face, shot people at night with a BB gun, and was known to police over fights with his mom. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that tweet is because the fact is he was on law enforcement's radar. He also shot his grandmother. He had had fights with his mother, as you can see, uh, that there clearly was a mental health issue here. So one of the themes that you're gonna be hearing about over the next couple of weeks, obviously, is we just need more laws. We just need more laws, more strict laws. We just have to take guns away, all of these things. Um, And the simple fact is law enforcement knew about him. 
in almost every shooting that we're hearing about now, law enforcement usually has met with the person or has been alerted about the person. These systems are not perfect. Now we can talk about how to tighten these systems. We can talk about how to do a better job with law enforcement. But the simple answer seems to always be, oh, just give us more laws. If we just had more laws around guns, if we just had more laws around bad people, and generally bad people do bad things, whether there are laws or not. Now, one of the main reasons that I'm not covering uh, the, the shooter's name uh, is because I don't want these people to have any more notoriety. I think this is a key thing. This is something that the mainstream media is completely missing. And years ago, we should have all stopped saying their names. I actually stopped saying their names a couple years ago on the show, and it was in large part uh, from this conversation that I had with Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro. This is a, a further clip from the cold open that we just showed you a few minutes ago. When you think about the people who do heinous crimes, like the, the school shooters, people like that, who do these things that are almost inconceivable, a huge part of the drive for that is fantasies about notoriety and, mm -hmm. and, 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 yep. and the emergence from obscurity and anonymity. Even though it's, it's notorious, it's hatred, the idea is, I'd rather be dead and infamous than alive and anonymous. Yeah, which, by the way, you, I think, were one of the first websites to say, we're not going to publish these people's yeah, names there, because been, then we're giving them exactly yeah, what they yeah, want. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, there, there have been, I don't want to take credit as, like, the first, because there are several, I'm trying, their names escape me, but there, there are other people mm. who have been promoting this for a while. But, mm. yeah, I was late to it. We should have done it earlier. And mm. I talked to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation about that about 10 years ago, about the idea that, publicizing the names of these killers is precisely one of the mechanisms that ensures that it will continue to happen. And Peterson, I, I just love the guy. That line, I'd rather be dead and infamous than alive and anonymous. And there's something about the whole that is perhaps within all of us right now, and maybe social media really exacerbated it. Maybe it really enlarged that thing. Um, that people want fame. They want attention more than anything else that this thing that was supposed to make us social, that it, it did something to make us all feel more alone, right? It was supposed to connect us, that was the thing. And then we got left in this world where we feel more worthless. We have to think about that because that has something to do with all of this. Uh, so for that reason right there, uh, I am not going to say the shooter's name. I would hope that some other organizations, I know the Daily Wire, is not going to do it. I'll actually talk to my friends at The Blaze and see what their policy is on this. But they are going to be, keep saying his name over and over on mainstream media. And that just sort of adds to it because then there's another kid out there who's dealing with some of the same issues that this kid was dealing with. And they think, oh, I can be somebody too. I can be somebody too. And the, and the internet has then so disconnected them from reality, they would rather have that dead and infamous than alive and anonymous thing. So... We're, we're just not going to do it. Uh, okay, so now on to some of the political side of this. What we could be doing is really talking about the deep psychological issues behind this. We could be talking about the mental health stuff. We could be talking about families. We could be talking about communities. We could be talking about the social media element of all of this. But as I said, everyone's just diving into their political, ugh, it's not even their agendas. They're diving into their political full belief systems and, and fame-seeking and all of the worst kind of stuff. The worst one I saw yesterday uh, was Beto O'Rourke. Now, you know Beto O'Rourke. He, he is a media superstar who's never really accomplished anything. He ran for Senate in Texas against Ted Cruz and fortunately lost. 
Now he's running for governor in Texas. He's not doing that well because Texas doesn't like a lot of his, uh, his really blue state sort of Democrat policies. Um, he showed up at the press conference that Governor Greg Abbott was giving with the mayor of Uvalde, the police chief, and a bunch of other people. Ted Cruz was there. He showed up and, well, he made it all about him. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. No. Please get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to this over. This is totally predictable when you Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Yeah, you want me to come in? Better O'Rourke is a horrible human being. I don't know how to describe it any other way. Like, that he made this about him, that he made this about politics. These kids are not buried yet. There you have the mayor of the town. You have the governor of the state. You have the senator. You have the police chief. They are talking about what happened. They are trying to figure out what can be done. Uh, and he dare gets up. This has nothing to do with him, but he's running for governor and he wants attention. And he got a lot of retweets yesterday and he got a lot of coverage on MSNBC and CNN. And I'm sure in the New York Times and Washington Post, he got exactly what he wants because the media seems to reward the worst of us. Uh, the gentleman who said, sir, you're out of line, that is the mayor of Uvalde, okay? So that is the man most responsible for the families who just lost their kids. So he was making his feelings very clear about this. The guy who called him a sick son of a bitch uh, is the sheriff, okay? Uh, Beto O'Rourke is an embarrassment. Is it, it, he's an absolute embarrassment. He is the type of person that should have nothing to do with politics. Go be an actor, dude. Go be some attention whore, fame-seeking, whatever. But do not be a politician. Nobody, well, I can't say nobody likes you in Texas. There's a certain amount of people, I suppose, that like you in Texas. But go move to California and take all their guns if that's what you want to do. But, but putting aside the politics of this, that you dare get up there in the middle of this as these people are grieving. I mean, it's just absolutely extraordinary. And now, uh, if you want to see a politician doing the right thing, doing the right thing. So there's uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott uh, and he was sitting there amongst all of those people, and he responded directly to Beto. There are family members. There are family members who are crying as we speak. There are family members whose hearts are broken. There's no words that anybody shouting can come up here and do anything to heal those broken hearts. We all, every Texan, Every American has a responsibility where we need to focus not on ourselves and our agendas. We need to focus on the healing and hope that we can provide to those who have suffered unconscionable damage to their lives and loss of life. We need all Texans to, in this one moment in time, put aside personal agendas, think of somebody other than ourselves, think about the people who were hurt and help those who have been hurt. 
which one of those guys do you think is right? The guy who gets up there, who has no place being at that press conference, or certainly breaking into the press conference and start to scream and make it all about him, and basically blame those people because they have a different policy when it comes to guns than he has, or the governor there who did not make it about politics, who made it about the people who had just been killed. Now, we can have an honest debate, again, as I said yesterday, and I'll continue to say for a long time about most of our political things. We can have an honest debate about guns and the Second Amendment and whether we should have guns and all of those things. Now, obviously, I believe in the Second Amendment. I, I bought guns for the first time in the last two years after everything that happened. Um, but that, that's, a, that's a policy disagreement, right? Like one side believes that having guns is the best thing that will protect you because you can protect yourself. A school can protect itself. You'll have the ability to protect your family. The other side believes, I, I personally believe it's a mistaken belief, that if only the government could take away enough guns, that, that bad things in essence wouldn't happen. Now that's a mistaken belief, but I'm willing to have that debate. I find people on the right always willing to have that debate. What people on the left generally seem to want to do is do exactly what Beto O'Rourke did there, which is, oh, you guys are bad guys. It's your policies that led to this, et cetera, et cetera. There is no evidence that it was their policies that led to this, okay? There just wasn't. And again, we never talk about what happens in Chicago. And I think we covered it yesterday. It was 46 people were shot in Chicago over the weekend, six were killed. Uh, but that doesn't really fit the narrative for these people because of the skin color thing doesn't quite work. And Chicago has the most stringent gun laws in the entire country. So we can have an honest discussion about this. I see one side roughly trying to do it and another side that's not doing it at all. We've got plenty more examples of that that we're gonna show you in the next couple of minutes. Uh, real quick, guys, I wanna talk to you about real estate agents I trust, you know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do. And it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Agent, generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment. That's a lot of responsibility. And you need an agent who takes that seriously. That's why I recommend real estate agents I trust. We work with only the best agents in every market. We do our homework, talking to every agent before inviting them to join our network. And here's a big one. We only work with full-time professionals, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Our team makes the intro and then follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. The agents we work with have a long track record and are the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience, they share your values, and they're almost anywhere you wanna go. The process is simple, just go to realestateagentsitrust.com and provide them with some basic info. Our team will contact you to make an intro to the preferred agent in your town. The company was started by my friend Glenn Beck, and I know a lot of you are looking to move to Florida, so think about it, realestateagentsitrust.com. Okay, so let's move on to some of the other reaction, because as I said, even though we don't only want to focus on the negative, on the people who go purely to politics, we have to understand it, right? Like this is the give the devil his due thing. See what the people who, who really are wrong, who use everything for their own purposes, see what they're saying. Because if you really see it and you, and you understand where they're coming from, then maybe you can respond to it properly. So there were, I mean, we could have spent literally 10 hours today. I could have spent I could have spent 24 hours today just reading you horrific tweets and Facebook posts and Instagram messages from politicians and blue check people, the worst sort of responses saying that Republicans have blood on their hands. I mean, just the most vile, you know, that, you know, certain politicians are murderers. I just the worst 
worst, worst sort of stuff. Um, we could have done that, but we're only going to select a few here. Uh, here is squad member, progressive and Marxist, communist, socialist, uh, Ilhan Omar from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who destroyed that uh, city and state, by the way. Uh, she's responding to a tweet. Here's a guy by the name of Perry Stein, and it's a quote, two Uvalde police officers and a school resource officer fired at the shooter, but it did not stop him from entering the building. And then he links to a Washington Post article. The point being that there were some officers there and they were not able to stop this. There's some questions as to whether they did everything they could do, et cetera, et cetera. Connor, can we throw up her tweet again so I can get to that? Uh, she retweeted it and responded, Honestly, every Republican who said this is how you stop mass shootings need to be voted out of office. Their pro-gun agenda is dangerous and it's time for sensible gun reform laws in, in American enough. Okay, so first off, this thing about sensible gun law reforms. Okay, it, it means nothing. What they usually say is common sense uh, gun law reforms. Co common sense. I mean, we have background checks, right? We have checks on people's mental health. You cannot create a perfect system. You cannot do it. There are always going to be people who slip through the cracks. There's always going to be someone who buys a gun legally and then someone who's able to get that gun that maybe lives in their house and finds the key or whatever it might be. There are also a crazy, crazy amount of illegal guns in cities like Chicago that are murdering people every single weekend. Find out if most of those guns or uh, that are killing people in Chicago are legally bought or illegally bought. They're usually illegally bought, which goes to show you that no matter how many laws you have, bad people will get bad things. Pull up her tweet, sorry, one more time on the tweet. Uh, so their pro-gun agenda is dangerous and, and time for sensible gun reform laws in America. The pro-gun agenda is an interesting way of putting this thing. What she should be saying is the pro-Second Amendment, that you have the right to defend yourself and perhaps if this school had had other policies, if this town had had other policies, Texas, Texas has pretty good gun policies, but perhaps everyone watching this, wherever your kids go to school, uh, whatever synagogue you go to or church you go to or community group that you go to, if they thought about things a little bit differently, why is it that there are armed guards outside of Barack Obama's house? Why are there armed guards outside of the US Capitol building? Why are there armed guards virtually everywhere where politicians exist, right? Uh, we suddenly, we can find money for that, but we can't find money uh, to put armed guards or a local community member who is armed. It doesn't have to be some outsourced thing. It could hopefully, maybe it's a father, a retired police officer in the community, et cetera, et cetera, that could guard these schools and do better defense of these schools rather than taking away people's God-given rights, which is really what the push will now be. I mean, the push obviously now by the left is going to be Republicans. They're, they're of course, they're racists and Nazis, but they're also murderers and we should take their guns away. And thank God we have uh, the Second Amendment and thank God we have the First Amendment, which is defended by the Second Amendment so we can say what we think and we can still uh, defend ourselves. And then if there are little marginal places to talk about what we can do around some of the gun laws and by the way, I bought a gun in California. It was incredibly hard and took an extremely long time. Is it easier to buy a gun in Texas? Yes, it is. And perhaps should we look at some of the ancillary things around that? Perhaps we should, uh, but that's not really what this is about. Um, by the way, uh, then Joe Biden gave his uh, talk the night of the shooting. And I thought about playing it yesterday, but again, I was trying to go apolitical yesterday. 
his speech was one of the most disgusting speeches I've ever heard by a politician. I mean, if, if Beto O'Rourke and his little outburst, I mean, he's just sort of a, a furry clown. Let's just forget Beto O'Rourke. Hopefully he'll just be a little footnote in history. Joe Biden had a moment where he could have really tried to bring the country together, really tried. Hey guys, we have differences when it comes to policies. Um, we have differences when it comes to what our first, what our bill of rights says and how we analyze these things. And we, we view things differently and we have different values. He had, there was a moment he could have done that. And we can, we can put all that aside today so we can mourn for these kids, but he couldn't. He went purely political in the most vile way. There were an awful lot of videos we could have chosen from. Uh, here's one. And uh, we must ask when in God's name will we do what needs to be done to if not completely stop, fundamentally change the amount of the carnage that goes on in this country. To state the obvious, and Corey and a lot of other people here, I'm sick and tired. I'm just sick and tired of what's going on. It continues to go on. I spent my career as chairman of the Judiciary Committee and as vice president working for common sense gun reforms, as I said, as a senator and a vice president. While they clearly will not prevent every tragedy, we know certain ones will have significant impact and have no negative impact on the Second Amendment. Second Amendment is not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a you couldn't own a cannon. You couldn't own certain kinds of weapons. It's just always been limitations. But guess what? These actions we've taken before, they saved lives. It's just so much nonsense. All he does is put together words and usually not say them in the right order or particularly well. And of course, those aren't his words. Those are words that are written for him. Again, he says the common sense gun law thing. It just is an irrelevant statement. Common sense. Well, people have different definitions of what common sense is. I am sure that my definition of common sense is quite different than Joe Biden's definition of common sense. But putting that aside, just the way he made it about politics, and he's really sick of this, and he spent his whole life trying to fight this stuff. Well, obviously he didn't do a very good job of it in his 47 years in the Senate or however many years it was. He was also vice president for eight years, didn't get much done then, uh, but now somehow he's gonna do it. And what he means is by common sense, what he means is my common sense, my common sense to take away your guns. And this thing about, oh, but back then you couldn't have a cannon, so there were always limitations. First off, there are limitations and we leave it usually up to the state what those limitations are. Um, but this idea that you couldn't have a cannon back then, also the government didn't have the crazy weapons that it has right now. Uh, and there is something in that Bill of Rights about a well-armed militia because it keeps the government at bay. It keeps the government at bay, we know that, okay? That's why not always the guy with the biggest gun wins, right? I mean, think of most insurgencies, Vietnam War perhaps, the guys with the biggest bombs uh, didn't necessarily win and the, be the best weapons, they didn't necessarily win. Um, he also says, do what needs to be done by the way, is a line that Palpatine said to Darth Vader when he went in and slaughtered the younglings. Uh, he says, we have to do what needs to be done. Well, okay, that sounds like something, but once again, it's just hollow words. Do what needs to be done. We disagree on what needs to be done. That's the problem. You think what needs to be done is take away more weapons, make more people reliant on the state, take away the ability for people to defend themselves. How about, guys, is this nuts? I got a crazy one. How about, uh, we just gave Ukraine $40 billion. 
we don't have $40 billion, but we just gave it to Ukraine. I'm pretty sure we could have taken that 40 billion that we don't have, but we can always find it for other people's wars. Uh, we could have perhaps taken that and put an armed guard at every school or had a true analysis of what's going on at each school. Or actually, I wouldn't do any of that through the federal government. I would cede that money to the states and the local municipalities and have them figure out what their real policies are related to this. Perhaps we could have better training when it comes to the officers that are there, because as I said earlier, it turns out that some of the officers didn't do whatever it is they were supposed to do. Um, but there are no perfect answers here, but these glib statements, they're really, I mean, this is what Democrats are incredibly good at, these glib statements. We must do what must be done. We must have common sense. Meaningless drivel, that's what it is. But Joe Biden continued on Twitter, and of course it's not him tweeting. He said, it's time for those who obstruct or delay or block common sense gun laws. We need to let you know that we will not forget. We can do so much more. We have to do more. Now, again, all he means there is we must take more guns. And again, common sense. No, he, no it, there's no specifics. There's no specifics. It's just common sense. What we should do is common sense. We don't have to tell you exactly what it is. It's common sense. And then... Barack Obama got in this. Now, Barack, of course, was uh, Joe Biden's boss for eight years, obviously did not do a very good job at anything, uh, because if he did, then Joe Biden wouldn't have to be president right now, and Donald Trump would have never been president, but a lot of people were pissed after eight years of Obama. But Obama did, I mean, I'm going to show you this Twitter thread, the worst sort of making everything political. And really read this. Does this strike you as a good man who is trying to heal what's going on in this country, heal the thing that we're all feeling, or is this someone who purely wants political power? It's, it's disgusting, actually. Uh, here's Obama. As we grieve the children of Uvalde today, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. His killing stays with us all to this day, especially those who loved him. In the aftermath of his murder, a new generation of activists rose up to channel their anguish into organized action, launching a movement to raise awareness of systemic racism and the need for criminal justice and police reform. Uh, then he continued, inspired by these young leaders, MBK Alliance launched a reimagining policing pledge for mayors and cities ready to take action. If you're wondering how you can get how you can help to make things a little better today. Here are some ways to get involved. I mean, this is absolutely incredible what he did there. First off, this shooting has absolutely nothing, 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 nothing to do with George Floyd. But Obama combined, he's a politician more than anything else. We thought he was hope and change and he turned out to be something very, very different. He is nothing other than a paper bag politician who is taking the murder of 19 dead kids to somehow try to combine it into something that has to do with George Floyd. And of course he says systemic racism and systemic racism is a phrase much like common sense gun laws, which just sort of means nothing. No one denies that there is racism, but there are no racist laws in the United States. Uh, also he forgets, you know, he talks about the two years of uh, protests and things that we had. Yeah, that's right. There were uh, an awful lot of, you guys remember them when we lived in LA, the destruction that was everywhere, all the destroyed stores, all the signs that were put up on all the stores that said, I'm for BLM and peace and tolerance. And they put those signs up so that their stores wouldn't be destroyed by the peaceful, tolerant people. And then they still burned them down anyway and broke all their windows and the rest of it. Um, so Obama, man, the greatest shyster of all time, perhaps, hope and change. Was this the hope and change? You now combine 
the murder, these kids are not even buried yet, you freak. And you dare combine this basically with BLM and Antifa who destroyed, who gave us two years of mass violence. Two years of mass violence, like vile, absolutely vile. Then there was another one, this one, man, I, I, you know what, by, by later, by tomorrow, we're getting back to some funny stuff, okay? That's my commitment to you guys. Uh, but we have to do this. When we have to do it, we have to do it to make some sense of the world. Uh, here's a tweet by a guy by the name of Rick Lewis, and he found uh, one of the fathers of, who was mourning his child, okay? This guy, the picture that you're seeing there, I, I don't even care about who this Rick Lewis person is, doesn't matter. Uh, but the person you're seeing there is a father who just lost one of his children. This, this blue check, oh no, no, sorry, he's not blue check, he's got a blue heart. But this person on Twitter found this guy's, who just lost his kid, found some of his previous social media posts and found out that he was for the Second Amendment and he was uh, for Kyle Rittenhouse. And he went after him. He said the father of one of the victims from the Texas shooting was pro-gun and literally championing Kyle Rittenhouse on Facebook. And this is, and then of course, you know, it's like, man, the guy's child just died. That tweet went very viral, so I'm not even making it about this random person on Twitter. It's because they find anything to make it political. It's theater. It is theater. Instead of offering a little bit of sympathy for someone whose child just died, I cannot imagine anything worse in the human experience. It's, oh, he's for guns. And what that is, is a difference of political opinion. The father believes that you should be able to defend yourself. I, I suspect he still does right now, and I would suspect, I don't even want to talk about it, but I would suspect that he probably feels if the school had done a better job defending itself that this would have never happened. But now is not the time to discuss that. But the theatrics just continue. The theatrics just continue. Here is Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy. Uh, he, he's a Democrat, of course. Uh, and just watch this Theater 101 pro political performative experience. Why? Why are we here? if not to try to make sure that fewer schools and fewer communities go through what Sandy Hook has gone through, what Uvalde is going through. Our heart is breaking for these families. Every ounce of love and thoughts and prayers we can send, we are sending. But I'm here on this floor to beg to literally get down on my hands and knees and beg my colleagues. Find a path forward here. Work with us to find a way to pass laws that make this less likely. You know, it's funny, he said he was on his hands and knees, didn't get on his hands and knees, which if you're gonna act, you know, I took acting class for a couple weeks around 2004. Um, you gotta go all in, that's the thing with acting. But he did not get on his hands and knees. He also did not pray. Let's not pretend for a second that that guy prayed for these families. Uh, but what does he need? What does he need you to do in his performative theatrical ridiculousness? He needs more laws. He needs more laws. There are dead kids. And, and his response, of course, is more laws. His response is not, hey, what, what is happening in society that would lead people to do horrific things, unimaginably horrific things? That's what we should be talking about. The Jordan Peterson clip. That's what we should be talking about. Why are people doing bad things? If I had an AR-15 right here, and everyone's freaking out about AR-15s right now. If I had an AR-15 sitting next to me right now, would I walk into a school or anywhere else and shoot anyone? Obviously not. Some people would. So is the issue the AR-15 or is the issue the person who holds it? 
and the societal and, and existential and psychological forces that condition someone to do that? You obviously know the answer. Uh, well then, here's a tweet from Mediaite, Jen Psaki. Remember her? Remember Jen Psaki? Well, what happens when there's a shooting? You put the former press secretary who has lied about everything more than anyone else over the last two years, who of course just stepped down and she's now doing the press circuit because she's got a new show on MSNBC where she can continue to lie. So she goes on Jimmy Fallon, the late night show, which is supposed to make you laugh before bed. Thankfully, no one watches these shows anymore. And of course she gets to talk about how if we could just you know get rid of more guns, then everything will be okay, right? She wants this to jerk people awake. And what she means again by that, this is all they mean with all of that, is to take away your constitutionally guaranteed rights. That's what they mean. And they continue. Man, these people are just, they're just, they're just so bad. They're so, so bad. I'm sorry we have to show you so many of them, but don't worry, at the end, we're, we're giving you some hope. Uh, here is Eric Swalwell, who is a congressman from California. Um, he has slept, by the way, with a Chinese spy. That is a fact. That is a fact. Eric Swalwell slept with a Chinese spy. Uh, but nobody really talks about that. That's okay. Uh, here he is uh, blaming Republicans instead of blaming the person who did the shooting. But right now, the truth is, not by a policy defect, but by design, by design of the Republican Party in this country, every kid in every classroom is exposed and vulnerable to a shooting. And no police officer outside the classroom, as we have seen, is going to protect them. Uh, no idea that, you know, more good guys with guns in the community is going to protect them. Uh, and no sense of, you know, let's just throw money at mental health uh, is going to protect them. Horrible human, horrible human men. He's right up there with Beto and Obama. They are just horrible human beings. Instead of what are the real issues? Well, first off, I'll give you a little credit there. You're right, not just th throwing money at things doesn't do things. That's interesting to hear a Democrat saying that because that's all you guys do. You just throw money at things so you think inherently, oh, we threw more money at something, it must work. I agree that throwing money at mental health things doesn't just fix things. As I said yesterday, I lived in LA where there were always signs everywhere for Los Angeles mental health, call this number. And the idea that the Los Angeles Department of Mental Health was making anyone more sane or helping anyone is, is that's actually insane. Uh, so throwing money at things is not the answer. Uh, but when he belittles the idea that if you have police officers or armed guards outside of things, uh, that a good guy with a gun can't stop a bad guy with a, with a gun, that's, in, that's completely wrong. There are many, many instances of good guys with guns doing more. Now we can, we can figure out ways to better defend the schools, right? We can do that. He doesn't want to talk about that. What he wants to do is flatly blame the Republicans. The Republicans, who are the one party right now, who are gonna still defend your Second Amendment rights, your constitutionally guaranteed rights. Now, the Democrats don't, they're not for the Constitution, right? They think that this thing is fundamentally evil, this country, and it was founded on racism, and these documents were written by old racist white men. But we have one party that's willing to defend those rights, and maybe does it sloppily and not very well all the time, uh, and one party that wants to come for them. So he's blaming his political opponents for this, as opposed to blaming whatever is going on here collectively in, a, in our psychology that is allowing people to do this. Here's a really interesting moment from CNN yesterday. Uh, Jake Tapper, who I often talk about, he's, he's pretty bad, but he's not like CNN level bad all the time. And he sometimes kinds of gets it. He's obviously a Democrat, you know, pretending to be neutral where he isn't. He, he has some ability to, to show some humanity through some of it. And he tried to do, tried to ask um, this police chief 
who was on uh, an apolitical question. Watch how quickly this became political. It's incredible. CNN senior law enforcement analyst, former Philadelphia police commissioner and former chief of police here in Washington, D.C. Um, chief Ramsey, thanks for joining us. Um, first of all, I know you're a dad. What's your reaction, not as a law enforcement official, but as a dad, when you hear stories like this? Well, I'm a grandfather now. So, I mean, you know, you hear things like this. I got a granddaughter who is about to begin kindergarten. So, I mean, obviously this is something that we should not even be talking about. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. And what's even crazier is the fact that nothing's gonna be done about it. Absolutely nothing. You know, I listened to the governor of Texas as the same governor that was very proud to sign the legislation that he says is protecting the unborn. Well, what about the kids that are already here, Governor? What what are you going to do to protect them? What about the 14 we lost today? What about the 20 we lost to Sandy Hook? I mean, when is this going to end? Instead of all this chest pounding about, you know, they, they're passing this legislation, you know, to, to protect the unborn, and we do nothing to protect the ones that are already here. The worst sort of everything is about politics you can possibly get. The question was about, oh, you have kids. How do you feel about this? He then says he has grandkids. And then the whole thing is about abortion, right? It's about abortion. And the answer when he's saying, well, absolutely nothing will be done. Again, what he's saying, absolutely nothing will be done. The subtext of that is I want something to be done, meaning I want to take away guns. As if, again, as if that really is the problem. If the real problem is just if we took away guns, and that is not the problem, it's not. So we get this constant sort of bipolar, mostly dishonest take from almost everyone in the media. But, okay, what do I always try to do on the show? I try to give you something rational. I try to give you something tangible to take with you. And there are some rational, uh, there are rational data points and there are rational answers. So first I wanna go back to uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who obviously is right in the middle of this thing right now. He is the governor of the state that is thought of, when you think about guns in America, you think about Texas more than anything else. And this, this horrific, I don't even wanna say tragedy, this horrific murder, it's not a tragedy, a tragedy is somewhat accidental. This is an intentional, horrific murder, mass murder by this uh, 18 year old, uh, is happening in a, happened in a city in his state. So to bring this thing full circle, what are some of the answers? Well, I thought Greg Abbott did a pretty nice job right here. I know people like to try to oversimplify this. Uh, let's talk about some real facts. And, and that is, there are, quote, real gun laws in Chicago. There are, quote, real gun laws in New York. There are real gun laws in California. I hate to say this, but there are more people who were shot every weekend in Chicago than there are in schools in Texas. And we need to realize that, that people who think that, well, maybe if we could just implement tougher gun laws, it's going to solve it. Chicago and LA and New York disprove that thesis. Okay. So that's honest, that's real, right? The places with more stringent gun laws have more gun deaths. Someone explain Chicago to me. If you are watching this and you think I'm a bad dude, 
and I'm mean and I'm lying about any of this stuff and you want to explain to me what's going on in Chicago, which has the strictest gun laws in the nation as a city in Illinois. Uh, again, 46 people were shot this past weekend. That's a couple days ago, six fatally. Doesn't make the news, doesn't make the news and you have to think about why. And as Abbott is rightly saying, as I've said repeatedly throughout this, if you just had more laws, none of this would happen. If we just took away more guns, none of this would happen. Yeah, you're right. In Chicago, they could take more guns away. And guess what? All the bad guys would have the guns. All the bad guys would have the guns. So I thought a nice way to sort of recap this whole show uh, would also to be to give you some specific numbers about guns from Pew. Okay, so Pew polling, Pew research, they're reputable. I, very few people, I think, are doubting whether Pew is doing a good job or not when it comes to giving us some sensible, honest numbers. So this is an important part of the show. So when you're debating with someone and they're telling you all of this stuff and all of the deaths and all of the confusion about all of this, you'll have some actual numbers to go to. Uh, so here's some direct data from Pew Research. In 2020, 54% of all gun-related deaths in the US were suicides, while 43% were murders, according to the CDC. Now, ju just sit with that for just a second. More than half of the gun deaths were suicides, okay? So then you have to sort of remove them from this mass shooting conversation, okay? Now, again, that's clearly more of a mental health uh, issue than anything else, but let's go back. The Gun Violence Archive, an online database of gun violence incidents in the United States, defines mass shootings as incidents, incidents in which four or more people are shot, even if no one was killed, again, excluding the shooters. Using this definition, 513 people died in these incidents in 2020. Regardless of the definition being used, fatalities in mass shooting incidents in the U.S. account for a small fraction of all gun murders that occur nationwide each year. In 2020, handguns were involved in 59% of the 13,620 U.S. gun murders and non-negligent manslaughters for which data is available, according to the FBI. Rifles, the category that includes guns sometimes referred to as assault weapons, were involved in just 3% of firearm murders. That's a key part of this whole thing. Shotguns were involved in 1%. The remainder of gun homicides and non-negligent manslaughters, 36%, involved other kinds of firearms or those classified as type not stated. Okay, so do you understand this? A huge percentage, over half of the gun deaths, are suicides, okay? So that clearly is a mental health issue and how these people are getting guns, we can discuss that, okay, fine, right? And there's no perfect system. So even if you have mental health background checks, because you have background checks everywhere, every state has them, including Texas, are there some people that are gonna slip through the cracks? Are there some people who are gonna be able to answer questions and have a clean background check and, and uh, fake it? And then actually they turn out to have mental health issues. Of course there are. Are there people who are gonna develop mental health issues after they have the gun? Of course. So again, this is one of those things. We are imperfect. We cannot create perfect systems. Um, but the rest of the, that information that I just laid out there is pretty fascinating. 3%, 3%, right? Let's pull that up again, because that's, that's the key part on that. 3% uh, um, were assault weapons, but they're really going after the assault weapons right now. Now, again, we can have some conversation about that. We really can. and. You know, there's always this thing, well, you don't need an assault weapon to shoot a deer. That's true, you don't. Um, 
we can have some conversation about that, but the implication is that somehow we're having mass, mass shootings and it's all being done with these things. And it's a small percentage of the murders with guns and it's a small percentage using those weapons in the first place. So what can we do? What can we actually do? Well, I thought this was an interesting image that I saw posted by John Rich on Twitter. This is posted at a school in Ohio. Uh, this is outside the school building. Attention, by authorization of the RHLSD superintendent, that's the local uh, school board, Rock Hill local school district staff is trained and armed. Any attempt to harm children or staff will be met with whatever force is necessary to protect our students. So they have armed staff at the school. They have a warning about it. I suspect that they have people who are local members of the community who are doing just that, right? You're not just paying someone sort of, you know, minimum wage or whatever it might be to sort of stand there and maybe put their life on the line or not, but it's about you taking your life, your children's life, the teachers, the administrators, their life seriously. And it's about doing it at the local level. The federal government is not going to come in and protect all 350 million people of this country. The data that I just laid out there from Pew, uh, which is indisputable, is proving that this is not a gun problem. It is a people problem. It is a mental health problem. And if we are willing to have that conversation, uh, then perhaps we can clean up some of this. And in a more broad sense, if you have a people problem, if you have a mental health problem, instead of just creating laws to manage those people, how about we think about something else? So now to bring this whole show full circle, I wanna go back to that conversation that I had uh, with Ben Shapiro and with Jordan Peterson. Uh, ben talked about the crisis of meaning that we have in America and what that leads to. And I think that part of the resistance to, particularly I think Jordan, but I think also to me and to anyone else in the IDW who's at least searching for meaning, is that the left has been saying for a long time that we found the meaning, right? The meaning was do what you want to do. The meaning was no responsibility, do what you want to do. That's the meaning. The meaning is rebelling against the system. And when it turns out that a lot of people don't find meaning in that, that there is, in my perspective, a God-shaped hole in people's heart that is being filled by hatred and polarization and tribalism. That God-shaped hole, right? The idea that Nietzsche said God is dead, and it was a warning that if you take out the structure that exists, that everyone sort of believes in, to whatever degree they believe in it, you completely remove that. People are gonna start believing all sorts of other things, right? The need for belief is so fundamentally important that people will start believing in other things. People will start believing that boys are girls and two plus two is five and non-racists are racists and the rest of it. And maybe that is far more of what really is going on here than, oh, if we could just have the law to stop this. There's something else going on with all of us. And then when it is hyper-fueled by this thing, do you think that maybe is causing a problem? And when you find out that the powers that be can manipulate us to see certain things and not see certain things and lie about certain things and all of that, do you think that adds up to a situation where a young person growing up in a very confused world without a lot of good role models, without um, a system that rewards people for doing the right thing and instead rewards people for usually doing the wrong thing, um, do you think that that could lead to a whole bunch of stuff? I think it could. I think it could. Uh, we're not gonna do any comments uh, today. We, we do have a cold close from Jordan in just a second. Uh, but in 10 minutes from now, wow, this was, this was a long show. Uh, in 10 minutes from now, we're, this week's Q&A 
which I normally source all the questions from the locals community at rubenreport.locals.com. We're gonna do a Q&A exclusively on locals. So anyone can watch, people have already put in their questions. Uh, rubenreport.locals.com, you can download the iOS app or we have an uh, Android app at Google Play Store or you can just go to rubenreport.locals.com on your desktop and the Q&A will be streamed right there. So I hope you will join us and I hope you'll consider joining uh, where you can then submit questions and interact with everybody else and all that good stuff. Okay, I hope uh, the rest of the week is a little more humorous than, than what it's been uh, for this week, but this, this is the point of everything. You can't, you can't have what you want at all times. There's, there's a messy world out there. We gotta do our best to clean it up. And I think that's a perfect segue here for Jordan Peterson and our cold close. You know what it's like. You get engaged in something, a, a deep conversation, a piece of music, a piece of art, something you love doing, someone you love being with. You get engaged in that. You lose your sense of temporality. And you don't pop out of it and think, oh my God, I wish I would have used a time frame that made everything irrelevant because of my you know, cognitive brilliance. You think, hey, we could do that some more. Like, how about all the time? And that's, that's a good goal. It's like, yeah, how about that all the time? And then you've got time right when you're engaged like that. And I would say that's a profound neurophysiological signal that you're in the right place at the right time, right? Because it's accompanied by a sense of deep well-being. And that's literally an antidote to suffering. And I, I mean that literally. It's uh, with many of my clients who were suffering. What we would strive to do was not so much make them happy because sometimes that was impossible. They were so crippled in, in so many ways, often physically and in pain, but something meaningful, I would keep them going and keep them from straying and keep them from thinking homicidal and genocidal thoughts, all of that, and meaning that's the antidote to suffering. And the question is, well, how is that best to be found? Well, that's an empirical question. You have to, you have to look in your own life and see where meaning glimmers and then pursue that. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.